Welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and killer clowns. My name is Bob. And I'm Matt. And we're here to talk about video games. But first, we're going to take a foray into the filmographic. Uh, Matt, you've seen a movie called It. Um, different than a child called It. Have you ever read a child called It? No. Oh, God. Don't is that about that. is that about like a fur-covered child who lives with like his aunt and uh, his nephews? No, it's about a child. Oh, he's a cousin. No, it's like a true story of a child that's just like kept in a closet for, for like a decade. Oh. It's really upsetting. That's I shouldn't be joking about this. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wait, is that why he grows the hair all over his body? No, I think that that's an abnormal condition. Does anybody ever actually like address the familial relationships in the Adams family is that ever touched on I don't actually well, know anything it's about uncle, it it's uncle so you mean like who is well it's cousin it cousin it so whose cousin is he yeah i presume that he's he's either morticia or right dad daddy adams what's that raul no, no. julia what is what is his character no it's name? douglas adams douglas adams <laughs> what is no what is what is raul julia's character's name and uh, Mr. Adams. The There's Morticia and... Patriarch of the Adams family. No, he has a name. I don't know, dude. It's going to drive me crazy. You know, there's like at least a quarter of a person shouting this answer at us right yeah, now. Yeah, they're probably they're so They're so irritated. Well, they're so we invested. They're and so now we invested. just lost them. <laughs> Out of the game. Raul Julia's... Listen, readers. Write in. Write in. Let us know. If you're reading this right now <laughs> and you us- know the answer... Leave us a zero stars rating on iTunes, and in that rating, correct us, and then say you'll never listen again. Fair, and like, well, at least we'll be more educated. We will accept that. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyways, you saw a movie called It. It's I about saw, a clown. I saw the movie It um, about a clown. The worst part about this movie is the clown. <laughs> this is no Lestrada. Let me put it that way. Um, <laughs> So the movie It is is kind of like is kind of like a Stranger Things alternative universe. Okay, that's like somehow worse for having come after Stranger Things. And Stranger yet also Game, things beat it to the punch. Being the thing that allows Stranger Things to exist. So this is like the the midsection of the snake that's eating its own tail. Yeah, precisely. Great. It is. Um, it's a movie that's for sure. It's wow. a movie that is making a lot of money right mm. now. Uh. So we are sure to see um, a sequel to it. In fact, I can 100% guarantee that there is going to be a sequel to it based on... It's back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the movie We're Back, A Dinosaur Story? Oh, vividly. Yeah. Add Unrelated. it again. Add it again. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> Play it again, Sam. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pro- it is probably going to be up for a few Oscars. Italics. Um, it won't win yeah, best it won't win best makeup but i i'm perceiving some you real think, you wins think some oscars so i think i don't think it's going to be nominated for any oscars but there's this part of the oscars where the oscars is just desperate to connect with you as somebody who watches this uh you know i would call it a fringe art called film <laughs> and so they're always just like dropping in references to movies that happened so that you as a viewer at home can say i saw movies <laughs> Yeah, that one. Oh, the movies. Takes so, me back. Okay, so here, here's what I'm willing to say. This is for the listeners. Uh, and I just, you know, you don't even need to watch the Oscars this year because this is going to happen. A host. I assume they've already told us who this is going to be. I don't know. Let's say Jimmy Kimmel is standing in the middle of the stage. He's cool, current, and topical, right? Yeah. Great. 
So behind him, a red balloon floats out. Audience goes, I hope I hope he really kills him. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, I assume that the lights kind of flicker and the host, Jimmy Kimmel, in this case, goes, oh, what's happening here? And then it's like, like the Ganon laughing and the NES just like, and then there's a fucking clown shadow and like a choir of children singing. We all float down here. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So if you see that in the Oscars, uh, you, I, I, because I said it first, I get royalties. If you see it, you need to pay me a dollar. Also, so, if you see it, you can say, oh yeah, I remember seeing that movie. Yes. And that's really what it's all about. It is, is. That if you see it, you remember seeing it and you say to whoever you're with, I saw that movie. And thus the Oscars continue to remind you that movies are a thing that happened to all of us. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, just to bring this uh, back to our usual topic, which is video games, in case we all forgot that. Who's your favorite killer clown in video games? Isn't it Sweet Tooth, I guess? He's the one. Are there other killer clowns? Uh, God Hand. There are the God Hand clowns. Yeah, that's the, where my mind went immediately. <clears throat> the God Hand clowns are my favorite clowns in all the video games. There is... And, Slight spoiler here. Skip ahead five seconds if you don't want to hear this. There's a moment in it where they all, all the kids are just like beating the shit out of like oh, the clown, no. and it's just like you can tell that they stack their combos real well. Oh, I love it. Yeah, they got they got that like like yeah. pimp hand backhand <laughs> yeah. move. Yeah, great. It is just, and then they've got a few of those like quick counters in there as well. Man, it's, oh man, it's great. Audience, if you haven't played God Hand, look forward to when you do and understand all these references. Audience, just play God Hand. Yeah, honestly, turn it off. Play God Hand. Don't listen to us. Play God Hand. That could be the subtitle of every episode. How curious are you? I know that we're we're off course already, but this might be this might veer into the, into our news hour. How curious are you about Absolver? How much have you read about Absolver? Uh, the video game. I have heard some things about it, and I am very curious about it. Um, for those of you at home who haven't heard about this, Absolver is a video game that came out from a pretty small indie studio that is um, billing itself as sort of like a Dark Souls God Hand. Dark Souls God Hand with Kung Fu. Um, online multiplayer. With online multiplayer. So it's a lot of PvP, uh, but also like a, a, a somewhat robust, at the very least, single player campaign. But the entire conceit is that you can stack your combo. So you have a certain, your button, you hit the square button, you know, four times, but each time you hit it in, in sequence, like you get an, it's performing a new move essentially. So you are building a combo of your choice, basically like stacking a deck of cards. Yeah. And beyond that, uh, and the thing that's most interesting about this game to me is that the PVP works like journey. So as you play the single player, you just see other people in the world. They just drop in and out automatically. And their world and your world just happen to be the same world, but neither of you selected it to be that way. Hmm. And they can just walk up to you and punch you. I like this. It sounds great. I do. I like this. As someone who usually hates PvP in Dark Souls, um, I'm curious about this. My one concern, though, is that it will not have God Hand's front dodge which is one of the great joys of video games. Uh, I think it's actually a parry mapped to the same button. So I'm very intrigued. Yeah, but like there's nothing there's nothing that feels quite so good as flicking that oh, and watching so Gene dodge in oh, God Hand. It, the God Hand front dodge is probably my favorite thing in video games. If you're listening to this and you actually think that we have taste whatsoever and you believe us when we say that God Hand is perhaps the greatest game of all time, 
And also, you're open to the fact that God Hand might be the most offensive game of all time. It is incredibly big. Incredibly offensive. It's really disgusting. Um, it is it came, unfortunate. It came out of Japan at an unfortunate time. Yes. In several people's careers. For uh, everyone's life. But if, you're, if, you're, if you trust us on this, you can get God Hand. Um, you, if you really want to go old school, buy a PS2 and you can get a PS2 copy of it probably on eBay. Yeah. Much more easy. If you have a PS3, you can download God Hand for nine ninety nine in the PlayStation Store, and that one runs better in HD and and looks yes. good. It looks very good. It runs real well, provided you can make do with the PlayStation 3's controller, which some people don't like. As some people don't like the DualShock Three as much. I'm fine with it. I actually like uh, having played a lot of God Hand on both of the machines. I actually have come to enjoy certain elements of the DualShock Three more. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Because I know for a long time that was a contention in it our was, friendship. It was. It was an issue. Yeah, but we've gotten over it. All right, uh, we're past Killer Clowns, we're past Absolver, we're past God Hand. Um, I think it's time for the news hour. It's time for the news hour. So, uh, who's our news editor this week? I'm the news editor because you were at like eight weddings this week. I if was. If I recall correctly. It's weird that they that they have them in the middle of the week now. None of them were mine. <laughs> Go on. O- only two of them were mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a busy week. Yeah. Uh, so Bob was busy. I decided that I would bring Bob some headlines from uh, this. This week we're going with headlines from Eurogamer.com. So these are going to have a particularly European flair. A lot more U's. A lot more. A lot more U's. A lot more OU's, and um, a, a lot more kind of like very easy with sexuality. Kind of like open. Oh, to, okay. Baguettes, yeah. cigarettes. Baguettes. Yes. A lot more smoking. Cool. Um, but very thin. Very. Very svelte. Svelte. Yes. yes. Yeah. Nonetheless. Um, you can blame and, and an incredible GMOs, social safety net. <laughs> Continue. Uh, so let's start with Monday. We're going to start with Monday. That's the best day to start. Monday. Jesus beats up Buddha in an awful looking fight of gods. You know, okay, so I saw this. This is a fighting game that features um, religious figures. Yes. And, okay. What's crazy about this is that I had a friend in high school, and I think this is a very common friend in high school trope, uh, who really like loudly asserts their atheism at every possible turn. I think I might have known. Were you that him. friend? I wasn't quite that friend. Okay. <clears throat> I was I was super into religion, but as like an anthropologist. Okay. So I was I was loudly proclaiming my anthropological interest in religion, <laughs> which is worse. Yeah, I would say you had fewer friends. Yeah. So this guy though, he actually spent a lot of time trying to in Morrowind and had like people that he was working on this with uh create a fighting game between gods in Morrowind using the like world builder tools that ship alongside the Elder Scrolls games. Huh. Uh, I don't know how far this got. I know at one point he showed me... Well, apparently it's gotten to the point that he's releasing this <laughs> as Fight of Gods. I mean, it could be him. I should look into it. But I just love the idea that an idea that a 15-year-old thought was totally bitchin' is now turning into this, and it's a terrible well, this idea. Is, my feeling on this was exactly like similar. This feels like a 15-year-old's idea insofar as that like, this feels like it should exist in the Family Guy universe. Yes. Which is not like a point in its favor. Like, no. by any means. Yeah, I, but honestly... It's like, a particular brand of juvenile. Yes, and you know what? The DLC for this is 100% that chicken that, like, Peter on Family Guy <laughs> fights in those interminably long scenes. Oh, what a work of genius. All right. On to Tuesday. Tuesday's headline, and I want to just... Uh, unlike, unlike Bob, when I read these headlines, I literally just read them verbatim. Um, 
Tuesday from Eurogamer.com, NAC2 review. <laughs> I read these. I read. You the, read the review of NAC2? I, I read two uh, reviews of NAC2 as befitting the okay. number in the title. See, I wasn't even sure if you knew that NAC2 came out. I so did, I just I, wanted to make sure you were aware that I, it did. I have a knack for these things. And so I looked into it because I have actually, on multiple occasions, almost purchased the first knack as a gag gift uh, for people. <laughs> I've never actually done it, though, because... Uh, we have because you want to keep your friends, right? We have laws in this country against cruel and unusual things. Uh, I don't know. Nax seems fine. People like this game. People really. Are, people are saying this game's all right. I mean, people people are saying that. I remember, I think your your gamer's take on it was Nax is okay, but lacks charisma, <laughs> which seems like yeah. <laughs> to me, that is Sony. Like Sony's attempt at childlike platforming. Going back to, I mean, I think Crash Bandicoot. You compare Crash Bandicoot to Sonic or Mario, and it's just like, who's this perv in shorts? <laughs> Why is he wearing clothes at all? Yeah. What, is, <laughs> what he is he hiding? hiding? <laughs> but in, in, What's under those jean shorts? <laughs> like, it's worrisome. And what is a Bandicoot? I, I just feel like this is constantly Sony's thing, is that they make these weird... Like attempts at Pixar esque like cutesiness, but they always feel really. And I know we got this stuff from Eurogamer, but European. And by that we mean insidious and somewhat sexually promiscuous. <laughs> With a great social safety net. Uh, <laughs> who, who is this sexually promiscuous bandicoot? But uh, so often these things don't come out of Europe. That's like the weird part. Yeah, Knack is Knack. Isn't that Mark Cerny's like? Yeah, brainchild? it's actually out of Japan. Oh, uh, I didn't know like, that. Like, because he has a. It's it's Sony Studio Japan that then he heads and it's his thing. Okay. But then again, think about like the charismatic characters created by Mark Cerny, most notably the Marble from Marble Madness. <laughs> like some Marble Madness. I do enjoy Marble. I think Madness. the stage is the real character in Marble Madness. I agree with that. Uh, so, anyways, people think Knack Two is pretty good. At some point, I might play it. That's my end of my Knack Two interest. All right. By some Fair point, enough. I mean if it is free. Which I guarantee. Oh, it'll be, be free before too long. I, I can't to, believe the first one isn't free already. I, I'm actually shocked that they didn't make the first one the PS Plus game. Yeah, so you could catch up on the story. Yeah, so, well, before that's you the get critical to part too. because how yeah. did Knack? What does he have a Knack for? Wait, is Knack the name of that main character? Yeah, he's the one Knack. who looks kind of like an angry Scottish man made of Legos. So he is a tiny little dude, and then he. Uh, the whole game is basically an example of the fact that the. PS4 can render a lot of particles. Yeah, I so he's that. a man. What made of particles? In the same way that Vector Man. Do you remember Vector? Oh, man? I remember Vector Man. This game like reminds me very forcefully of Vector Man. In and that Vector Man was very much about showing you that the Genesis could do those vectors. Yeah, fancy. And, and also the gun shooting sound in Vector Man is very good. All I just say is give me a voxel over a vector any day. Moving on to Wednesday. Wednesday. Official Animal Farm game is an adventure tycoon. Is that an English sentence? This is so okay. So I had to reread this several times, and interestingly, the thing that gave me pause was not that there is a quote-unquote official Animal Farm game, which has been signed off on by Orwell's estate. Oh, there, like that Animal, animal farm. farm by George Orwell Whoa. is being adapted into a video game. But more the interesting to it me, it was meant for. <laughs> Truly, the more interesting thing to me is the uh, is the concept that a tycoon game is a genre now. 
I feel like tycoon games have been a genre for quite a while. So I don't game on PC, so this could be a lack of As a lover of awareness. Roller Coaster Tycoon, Zoo Tycoon, Railroad Tycoon, and many other entries into I the only, proud canon of tycoon I games. I only knew Railroad and... and, and um, Roller coaster and roller coaster. I didn't know there was a zoo, so I assume that they were made by the same people. No, is this, can they you were call by, something they, they a tycoon? Were, they game? were made by very many different companies. Microsoft made Zoo Tycoon, and now actually, Microsoft is now making a basically it looks like new Zoo Tycoon, but it's Jurassic Park Tycoon, and I'm actually mm. pumped. I think that'll be fun. Well, with now that we have I think Animal Farm z- Tycoon, it's only a matter of time until the literary world gets F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Last Tycoon. Uh. <laughs> Yes, a sobering look at what happens when you play too many of these games. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a launch game on the Xbox One that was a Zoo Tycoon game. That's like the original Xbox or the Xbox the, the, One? No, the new, the Bone. The, the Bone, okay. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I don't know. Nothing shows off the prowess of a new machine quite like the many particles of knack or a new way to have a lot of elephants. <laughs> Just, oh, look at all these elephants. I'm gesticulating wildly. For the There's eight of them. <laughs> wow. You can zoom all the way in. In the next iteration, they'll be able to multiply. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is a new entry in the tycoon genre. And I don't in really the animal enter- farm universe, presumably. I have a lot of issues with this. I think that's a terrible idea. So, wait, do the animals... Is it just a normal tycoon game, but then the animals can occasionally learn to speak and rise up? There's it. I I already f- forgot the majority of the summary of it. Apparently, you you play as an animal and you um, you are the animal. You are one of the animals, and you mm. it's. I assume it's a relatively political game, and it's like it happens concurrently or during, well, concurrently, I guess, too, or right before, partially right before, and then concurrently. There's a Does Def this make sense? Song. Are you understanding? I have my, no my idea words? what's going on, but there's a Def Leppard song about man being an animal. So I'm glad that the trenchant Title political track. commentary uh, from Def Leppard is finally being made into a video game. Finally, Def Leppard and George Orwell <laughs> together. At last, dude. Um, in any case, you guys can pick that up at some point. I don't know. Maybe. It's never coming out. Yeah, that's never coming um, out. On to Thursday. L.A. Noir coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and a spinoff to VR. I will say that I think VR is where that game has always belonged in some level uh, because it's about interrogating people. And so I think that... Yeah, but that's only as good as the fidelity of people's faces. Well, but they had that tech that was very good at that. and so, At the time. Well, but I wonder if they've been working on that since then and then you made a new version of it that was just interrogations. That would require them to shoot, to reshoot all of those scenes. Well, I don't know. Is this is this just the same game? But oh, yeah. VR? No, it's being ported. Yeah, it's the oh, same game. Oh, yeah. No, I don't want that. Yeah, no, no one wants But I, I think that actually if somebody was willing to pour untold millions into a new version of L.A. Noir that was specifically designed for VR, that would actually probably be a pretty and totally, game. And it would have to be totally remo-capped. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd have to shoot all the stuff again. Yes, because, yeah, so that's not what's happening. They're just taking this game from 2011 and putting it on your Switch. I don't Are think that's ready? the worst idea, although what I do... I appreciate that Nintendo has come far enough that now they're going to put a game that's like the Black Dahlia murder on your Nintendo thing so that I can be out on the train and somebody can look over my shoulder and there'll just be like a person's torso. 
severed in the bushes and my guy will be like clumsily trying to interact with it. Do you know that that's probably upsetting Shigeru Miyamoto right now? That he is probably upset at the idea that that can happen? I'm sure he feels violated. Yeah. Rightfully Um, so, to be honest. Anyway, L.A. Noir coming to Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and a spinoff to VR. Uh, The PS4 and Xbox One are up res. The Switch is just like, it seems like it's just a straight port. port. That makes sense. All right, uh, second piece from Thursday. This one I'm really curious what you have to th- what you think about. I'm sure you've heard about this. South Park, the fractured but whole difficulty slider changes the color of your skin. I think this is awesome because of the commentary that accompanies the when you do change the slider. Yeah. Where it says it doesn't change the difficulty of the game, it just makes everything you do in life harder. harder. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Don't you you like you take you, you like get paid less you get less gold so what and this stuff is like that. Yeah. is it's the slider it's the uh different roles from oregon trail because oh. if you remember in oregon trail you either Whoa. start out as a banker and you're loaded or you start off as like a farmer who has no money or there's in between people mm-hmm. and really like the rest of the game is equally difficult but you just sort of start off in a worse or better place and this is the fundamental element of inequality that conservatives fail to understand at every turn. And so I love that there is now a video game that is just like, here, a video game will tell you <laughs> that there are deep-seated social inequalities that make it more difficult to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, idiots. Like, how is it that South Park now has to take up this mantle for us in a video game? <laughs> there is a delightful contingent of people online who insist that this is not actually a social commentary in the the sort of progressive sense of the commentary on racial um, or institutionalized racism that we that we take it for, and they're saying that they're insistent that we can't know for sure until the game comes out because they believe that there will not be any actual change to the difficulty. And that it is a commentary on the fact that all of us assume this to be the case. But when you actually play the game, there will be no change. <laughs> They're insistent on this. That we all have it wrong and Trey Parker and Matt Stone are laughing at the liberals. So, okay, that's possible and that would be a Why? huge bummer. That, well, but also, it would be so stupid. Why implement a difficulty slider at all? Well, I mean, what it what so it, it would be a commentary, and the whole game is clearly just about dumb jokes. I mean, yes. it has butthole in the title. They're not working hard. Wait, it has what? Butthole. No, it doesn't. Butthole. Butthole. Let's just move on. Friday. <laughs> Friday. <laughs> Player Unknown's Battlegrounds surpasses 1 million concurrent stream players. What does concurrent stream players mean? Sorry, Steam players. <laughs> okay. Um, that makes sense. That game seems amazing, and I don't have a computer that can run it because it's PC only, but I look forward to the day when it comes to the consoles. It's top of the charts. Yeah, it seems amazing. Um, do you think that this means the death of the MOBA? No. I think that this is, I think this means this is a fundamentally different type of game from a MOBA. What this game reminds me of, I think that this game takes the place on some level of things like Quake or Counter-Strike. It's that type of game in the same way that there are different types of MOBAs. Like people either gravitate towards Dota 
or League of Legends at the professional level. I think that this game, if it goes in that esports direction, uh, will just be a another one of these shooters. All right. Well, you heard it here, folks. Folks, that's the uh, the death of the MOBA confirmed. I don't know why you want the MOBA to die. Saturday. <laughs> Mario plus Rabbids is Switch's unlikeliest tech showcase. This is part of the Digital Foundry on Eurogame, yeah. which is excellent if you guys ever pay attention to it. I love Digital Foundry. If you Foundry. ever pay attention to it. Uh, digital Foundry does really in-depth, like, counting the frames that a game can put out per second sort it's, of it's analysis. It's really fun. It's yeah. really neat. So, and they make it very accessible via their videos to kind of, like, care about this stuff. what yeah. is happening. Um, this game looks beautiful. I haven't played it yet, but I have watched videos, and it is gorgeous. I am... Um, I know we don't often talk about this kind of stuff on here, but I found it really interesting that apparently it uses the same engine as um, The Division. Really? Yeah, which kind of <laughs> like, I read that and I was like, what? Quoi? <laughs> 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 Appropriately for, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is yeah, just very interesting that that's the case. I mean, any I think any game engine can be bent to do whatever you want to do with it, but... Uh, Certainly, I think that that game benefits from the fact that, as I understand it, the environments are very constrained. Yeah, and it really has a very slick, high poly look. So it's which is impressive. I mean, it, part of this was just a reminder of the fact that um, that Nintendo didn't develop it; that it was developed by Ubisoft. And I keep forgetting that because it looks like such a Nintendo product. Yeah, and actually, on that note, there was a really good interview with the guy. Uh, who is the head of the studio that just put out the new version of Metroid 2 um, on the 3DS. And they're not a Nintendo studio, but they worked very closely with Nintendo to put out this Metroid game. And basically, the overwhelming message of this article is that Nintendo, if you work with Nintendo, you are part of Nintendo. Like, Nintendo is riding you hard and is, like, very invested and is not going to let you put out something that is shoddy at all. And so it makes total sense to me that these games feel like they're part of Nintendo because it seems like they walk into these places and just whip them into shape. That makes sense. I would understand that being Nintendo and kind of being, you know, being Uh, Nintendo. Nintendo guards its its property very, very tightly. Which is why it's so fascinating that they've been willing to kind of like lend it out more recently. I, I think that they are doing that in very controlled ways where they, they still have their Clearly. hand on the wheel because as, as this demonstrates, yeah, the co-creator of Metroid was riding shotgun apparently on the development of this game at this other studio. Uh, so it's not like they give it to him and let him go. I still feel like Miyamoto is probably losing sleep over this. Probably. And it taking up smoking again. We can only hope. <laughs> That's where his best ideas come from. All right, that's all I had, actually. I haven't looked at the news for today. Have you looked at the news for today? Did I did not look happen? at the news for today. There's some awful stuff happening in the world, but yes. not in video games. No. Uh, video games remain untouched by natural disaster. And killer clowns. Anyway, uh, Matt, I guess that that means that it's time to ask you, how's your Dark Souls? Hello, Dark Souls, my old friend. My Dark Souls are stuck. Oh. My Dark Souls are very stuck. Really? They're very, very stuck. You um, seem angry. I'm not angry. I'm more like bemused, I would say. Okay. 
So first of all, I've realized that I love Dark Souls 3. I love playing Dark Souls 3. I think about Dark Souls 3 all the time. Um, I feel really upset when I can't, when I feel like I'm not sure what's going on with my Onion Knight. <laughs> I have not encountered the Onion Knight again. I have, I, I keep thinking like he's got to show up again. He's not showing up anywhere. Um, so in the meantime, I've had, I made a little bit of progress. Um, I beat that boss demon in the smoldering down in the smoldering lake the one uh, that you told old, me about old demon king. old demon king who like clearly was not very nice to his subjects because truly his his home is littered with their bodies yeah it's just corpse town <laughs> yeah it's like he has killed more of them than i have yeah um, oh and yeah for sure uh so i took that dude down um so i tried fighting that giant i forgot his name yorm 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 what a what a very yorm yorm very uh nordic name but i tried yes. fighting yorm could not beat him you do no damage i doing zero damage i don't want you to tell me how it happens yet we'll get to that okay um could not beat him like hitting my head against that wall i did like clean up some souls though in that area because there's a lot of good farming that's right a around great there. area to farm in really it's more difficult to farm, to farm it before you beat him because there's a uh, you know, whenever you beat a boss, you get a bonfire right there. Yes. And once you beat him, you walk out there and you walk away with like 20,000 souls. Yeah. It's it's pretty nice. It's like you do two two swings around there and you can like level up one and a half times. Yep. Um, so I was not winning there. So I went back to... Um, did I tell you that I got to honor Londo? You did. You sent me a message. You were so excited. Yeah. I, I sent you a little text message. I'm sorry to all of our readers that I didn't send you so all So we'll text put you guys too. on the text chain. Yeah. Don't just, just send, wait for that. Send your personal email. You get a lot of spicy gifts on there. Oh, the memes. The prequel memes. <laughs> Lots of good prequel memes. Lots of good prequel memes. Um, So I went back to honor Londo. By the way, you go to honor Londo in this game. That totally makes sense. I love it. Uh, it's a it's interesting to go back there. Um, fought my way through honor Londo. There's another Lord of Cinder up there. Okay, crushed you, her. You defeated her. There's a really sad moment where there's a total lack of chest. Shortly afterwards, you get no chests. Hmm. If you remember honor Londo from the original game, after you beat mm -hmm. Smog and whatever his name Ornstein. is, Ornstein and Smog, those are the two Bert and Ernie of the Dark Souls universe. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Um, Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Uh, so I um, waltzed through there, but it's kind of a dead end. I'm okay. sorry. I'm ruining that for you right now. That's okay. I, I have no idea where to go right now, but we'll, we'll talk about that okay. in a second. So then I am just back to the point where... Um, I just, I can't, I can't beat Yorm. I miss my Onion Knight. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I miss my Onion Knight. Yeah, you are at a loss. I've become so, like, I, uh, readers, I sometimes, also I'm insistent on calling you readers this podcast. Um, I sometimes paint in my spare time. <laughs> and I have been slowly drafting a painting of the Onion Knight. Oh my in, god! Yeah, in my in my spare time, I've do, been doing other painting as well. But I've been I'm working on this Onion Knight, and I cannot. He's going to be glorious. Yeah, that and sounds amazing. Is it life size? No, no, it's not. Unfortunately, I don't have that much paint. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, he's a big man. He's a big man. Um, real big boy. So, yeah, I don't Yorm the giant. Yorm. So tell me about your souls, and maybe incidentally, you can tell me how does one beat Yorm? Do you how actually did you learn? Do you actually want to know? Yeah, because this is what this is the playground on which we share our okay. Zelda tips. So, I'll quickly say I haven't done anything. I don't know where to go in the 
the caverns underneath the smoldering lake. I have no idea what to do. So what I did is I just went back to Firelink Shrine, bought the Abyss Watcher armor. So I look exactly like one of the Abyss Watchers. It's pretty dope. Then I have their sword because I got that transmuted out of like their soul that they gave me. And then I literally walked back through the entire path I've taken through the game as an abyss walker and just murdered everything backwards, uh, <laughs> which is really interesting because number one, you realize you don't actually cover that much ground. Um, you so so much of it's kind of hard fought that it feels longer than it is. Yeah, precisely as it all good Dark Souls is. Yes. Like the opening Undead Burg in Dark Souls feels Definitely. like the longest trek ever, but it's not. It's not at all. Once you can kill everything in one hit. Uh, the other interesting thing is that uh, many of the enemies are designed for you to be walking at them in the proper direction. So you're just kind of walking up behind people and just killing them. And then their friend turns around and then they're dead. And then you walk forward and there's two guys facing the wrong way again. And you just kick them off a ledge. Um, so I walked all the way back, the like the entire game. You walked basically. it back, interesting. Uh, for no reason, and you know it doesn't even give me enough souls to level at all. Yeah, it's total waste. But did you did you save the Onion Knight? I did. That that is what I did. Okay, I saved the Onion. Knight. Have you seen him again since? No. Uh, Motherfucker. So Yorm, he's a giant, and you do basically no damage to him. He's an enormous boss. He's huge. You are very small. Uh, I knew how to beat him. Because there was a note on the ground on the way into his into his little palace boss room. Uh, did you see any notes on the ground? I did. There were a few that said arrows or something like that. And one of them said use friend. Whoa, that was a what was that? There's someone dragging furniture around above us. Is that thunder? That is scary. No, they're Is they, that Yorm? Is that you, Yorm? <laughs> it's Yorm. <laughs> I would love a sitcom where we are adjacent to Yorm the Giant in but an apartment building. You never see anything other than the bottoms of his legs. <laughs> uh, I like the idea more that he just kind of moves things around and occasionally bellows. And we just know he's there, but we don't know how to defeat him. <laughs> Okay, uh, so I saw I saw two two okay. signs saying one says like use arrows, the other says use friend. Use arrows is bad advice. Okay. The note that I saw, I tried it. It did not work well. So the note, I believe the you. note that I saw said, uh, like, at throne, get weapon, then defeat, or something like that. Okay. Have you gotten I the did. sword? I did pick up the sword. I can't remember what it's called now. Okay, but I grabbed that. There is a. Big ass sword. It's a sword. A big ass sword in that room. And you are familiar with like how every weapon, if you two hand it, has a special ability? Yes. I just that's that's all I'm gonna give you. You just want me to special ability him? Just uh I think it'll work out for you. All right. I think I'll it'll work it, out I'll for you. I, I struggled with it for a bit. That's, I don't I don't like that. Uh it's I very Zelda y, but it's, it's also too Zelda y. Well it's it's, the it's difference a, it's, is it's a, here's, here's the dungeon weapon. Use yes. it to defeat the boss. Except that you get That's it in the room. And, and it's antithetical to Dark Souls. So, yeah, I agree. It's not great. And it's it's weird because... Any build and any weapon should be able to take down a boss. Well, you could kill him with any weapon. You could, but it is dumb. Yeah, it's nearly impossible. Yeah, and they make him just slow enough that, that like, you feel like you're doing it, but it's like it's not fun. No, no, it would be the most insane slog. Yeah. Just, uh... You know, next time you spawn at that bonfire up in that little tower, 
just pull that thing out and try out that All weapon right. art. And then and then once you do that, I think you're going to kind of know what well, needs to happen. Next time I spimini spawn, I'll make sure and try that out. Yeah, and then bring your brimini brawn and go cut that dude up. My pimini poise. Make a big difference in this. Because you're a biggity boy. <laughs> All right. So that's enough about Dark Souls. Yeah, uh, moving on from the, the old souls. Matt, have you been playing other games? Yes. You want me to go first? Go ahead. All right. Um, so I finished up Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. It's found? I <laughs> The legacy is no longer lost. I'm not entirely sure what it was. Um, that is not a great sign. Such, is, such are these games. Um, I've been making notes about the uncharted games and i think that like the first thing is that like obviously these are um again for all these that i'll I'll use (laughs) i don't know uh uncharted is developed by naughty dog they're the team behind well originally crash bandicoot but more recently the uncharted games and the last of us um uncharted the lost legacy is kind of a spin-off of uncharted 4 it stars that's the new subtitle what's inside nathan drake's pants yeah I'm curious about all their games. <laughs> <laughs> Certain things about all their games just make just me curious. Don't line up. He is pans. Crash has pans. They're the same guy. <laughs> he metamorphizes into a yeah. bandicoot. Anyways, go on. Anyway, so um, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy is a spinoff of Uncharted Four. It stars uh, a character from a previous game called Chloe Frazier, and her sidekick in this one is. Um, a woman named Nadine who's in Uncharted 4. It's cool to see two female protagonists. Um, also, as many people point out, two female pr- protagonists who are both women of color. I would also point out that Naughty Dog did this previously in um, The Last of Us's DLC where you had two female characters, uh, one of whom was a young woman of color, and that which is also impressive and also a much better piece of DLC because it's much more inventive and does much more interesting things with its sort of like basic mechanics. Uh, anyway, Uncharted the Lost Legacy, very good. But it like suffers from this aspect of being an homage, which I consider this to be kind of like the Joss Whedon, like J.J. Abrams, like we need to be careful about or be, we need to be sure to inject a certain level of winking humor into this. Because it is an homage, and because it is not necessarily original, you need to know that I know. So what is that this we an both know to? that this isn't to Indiana Jones? Okay, it's. I mean, they they always have been very clearly homages to Indiana yeah. Jones. They're just Indiana Jones Tomb Raider, and they and just, Tomb Raider is Indiana Jones. Yeah, and, you know. and so they're they're extraordinarily self aware. I'd say the Tomb Raider does it better though. Because, uh, I mean... Tomb modern Raider, Tomb Raider. Modern Tomb Raider, yes. <laughs> I should have specified that. I forgot that the old ones even existed for a minute there. There was a lot of them. Actually, I was talking about Laura Croft. Angel Laura of Darkness. Croft, Croft, Tomb Raider. <laughs> starring Angelina Jolie. You are tripping Jolly. all over yourself. <laughs> Angelina Jolly is a much friendlier person. <laughs> um, in any case, yeah, and it suffers for that. Because there's this this element of like constant irony that feels that ends up feeling disingenuous by the end and kind of bugs bugs this dude okay in any case like is it a good game it's a great 
game in many regards, I guess. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous looking. Yeah, sometimes like I'll get really upset with the game and I'll just be like irritated and then they'll do like a close up on Chloe's hand and I'll be like, her hangnails are so well, like so well rendered. I mean, everything like, about it just she looks. She has hangnails. Unbelievable, yeah. And this is like, it's so well, there, there are elements of it that are just so incredibly well done. And the ending of the game is by far its best component. It's um, this series of scenarios and encounters that, um, like, basically, like, these small battlefields that you're constantly traveling through, whether via via driving or being on, like, a runaway train, essentially. And, like, you are constantly moving. It's, from a game perspective, it's incredibly propulsive, incredibly well done in in that regard. It's it, and And very fun. Um, but it's like, so it's like an hour long set piece and it's just like, this is, this is amazing, but I could have just done with this hour long set piece and maybe nothing else. Right. But they feel so compelled to tell a story. They feel so compelled to attempt to develop characters that why do we bother developing characters if I could have told you where they were going to end up by the end of the game anyway. Right. There's a moment when. So the conceit of the game is, again, Chloe Frazier is a treasure hunter. She's essentially a thief. She's an Indiana Jones she's type. She's an Indiana Jones type, She's, but like arguably in it for the money even more than Indy would be. Um, a Han Solo type. Uh, more of a Han Solo type, truly. Yeah. Uh, and so she is after this Tusk of Ganesh. So you're traveling through all of these Indian ruins. Um, it's really, again, gorgeous, incredibly realized. But there's an actual moment in this game where Chloe Frazier needs to stop and realize that the Tusk of Ganesh is more than just a treasure. It is a symbol of an entire civilization's culture. And she says something like, it's a symbol of them. And you're supposed to think that this is an epiphany, like this is like this is like this absurdity. But then like they narrow in on like her hangnails again, and I'm like, oh, this is so well done. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like I would, if you just like really, frankly, you want to play a Naughty Dog game, get The Last of Us on PS3 or PS4. Everyone should play that game. It's an astonishing game. It's really well done. Um, and I'm going to write a review for ZeroStars.co, which no one ever goes to, but I'll put it up there anyway. You guys should go to our website. You should. There's a lot more long-form reading you can do on there. Readers. Readers. What you reading? <laughs> Not much. ZeroStars.co. <laughs> we need to create a little ad for that. We honestly should. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, we should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely invest heavily into merchandise. <laughs> Uh, every time we have a good idea, we should just say it. Let's put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, has anybody ever put Hello Dark Souls, my old friend, on a t-shirt before? Because I don't that think seems so. like a foolish thing not to it, do. It seems like we would have a mildly successful Etsy store. You're right. <laughs> Knit that, cross-stitch that onto a pillow, and we're rich. Yeah. Um, in any case, like, it's... It's cool. Um, it's a game. <laughs> I don't know. Play The Last of Us instead. I want to mention one other thing. There's this moment where you as Chloe, because you're always playing as Chloe, unfortunately, it's like never actually gives you control of Nadine, um, which is like whatever. I don't know. But as Chloe, you're in this like ancient library full of all these artifacts, and there's like these tablets that have been written on. They're like ancient books and stuff like that. And so you're in this place, and you have to solve a puzzle, right? At any given time, you can technically take out your gun and shoot things. Um so me being me and kind of wanting like curious about the boundaries of the game took out my gun and started shooting like random pots and like you know like random shit like because you know the game knows that you want to shoot ceramics if you see ceramics right right plates and whatnot um 
And then I tried shooting like other things like the bookshelves and the gun doesn't work unless you're focusing on very certain objects. So it would not let me shoot, for instance, the ground. Uh It would, the, the cursor or, you know, essentially the crosshairs would light white when I could shoot something and let me fire the gun. So I could shoot like these pots and stuff and make them fly all around the room. But whenever I would try and shoot something else, it would go dark and it just wouldn't let me fire the gun. And I thought that was like the most, that's the epitome of Naughty Dog. Yes. In a way. I mean, it's, it is a beautiful thing. It is, it is a beautiful thing. To its credit and, and detriment. And yeah, and then you, you run up against its boundaries and you're like, ah, <laughs> Yeah. It, you the, idiot. <laughs> the edges of the video game are, are much more abrupt and brutal. Exactly. So um, anyway, that's what I was playing. So let me know what you've been playing because you've been actually holding the secret and will not tell me. And it's- I sat down on an airplane and I completed the new Legend of Zelda game on an airplane. And that was surreal for many reasons. I'm shocked that you did this. Uh, yeah, it was very weird. Um, so I've been uh, holding out on Breath of the Wild. I love it. But I kind of was piecemealing it. I didn't really want it to end. I have finally uh, completed the main quest, defeated Ganon. I have beaten The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, there's still much more to do in that game. It's not like I accomplished everything by any stretch of the imagination. But um, Ganon is defeated, so that's something. It was really weird to play a... Should, should we, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but should we just say spoilers for the uh, ending there, of The Legend there, of Zelda? There might be some spoilers here, but I don't think anything... Okay, you're not going to go no, like, no, no. hard into the spoilers. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, you defeat Ganon if you win the game. Uh, it is a Zelda game. It is a Zelda game. Uh, and it is a very good Zelda game, but it's very strange to complete... It's the most Switch add experience to be on an airplane and play the end of the big budget new Zelda game. Uh, Did you like it more or less for that? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. No, Uh, but I mean for being on an airplane. Oh, that's what I mean. Like I thought the experience of playing it on an airplane was really excellent. I think the switch is fantastic and it was tons of fun. I had no issues with battery life. Uh, It was great. These are going to sound like facetious questions, but were you in a middle seat? No, I was in the aisle. You're in the aisle, and you were next to your fiance. My Beyonce, yes. Your Beyonce, your Bay. Yes. Okay, so there was somebody else on the other side of the aisle. Did you feel like people were watching you play at any point? No, I tried to have my girlfriend uh, watch at several points, and she ignored me. <laughs> so is that why she was just denigrated the girlfriend instead of Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, the September. Luckily, she doesn't listen to this. Yeah, yeah. So we're safe. Luckily, you haven't told her about this podcast. No, no yet. one, no one knows that we do this. Uh, <laughs> this is what we do in the shadows. Um, okay, so I don't know. I um, without giving away spoilers, and if you're really sensitive about spoilers, back out now uh, and fast forward like ten minutes. Uh, probably not even that. I think the end of this game is kind of. Uh, um, was it too easy? <sighs> I don't know if it was too easy. I think that the final, the second to last version of Ganon in this game, which which in other versions of Zelda is traditionally his uh, humanoid form, yeah, is awesome. Is this weird the one where you're ar- down in the pit, where it's like an arachnid man? Yeah, I thought he looked real cool, and that was up. fun. Yeah, and that's a good fight. I think. W- can we talk about the castle though? I want to talk about Hyrule Castle because it's the final dungeon. So here's what's interesting, and I need to go back. Because I revolved Gale. Oh, you son of a I bitch. I just skipped it all. Why would you do that? I don't know. I just I just 
didn't I just was going up the hill. It's I, the fucking best part of the game. I just cursed because it's so good. Really? It's that's hands down my favorite part of the game. That's so interesting. Why? Because it's giant and labyrinthian and everyone you're I, so okay, first of all, it's kind of cool that you did that because it's true to the fact that everybody gets through the castle in their own way. Mm. There are so many paths through the castle that you can take. Yeah. And I've had so many conversations with people who have taken different paths. See, I just went, I just walked up to the side and then I was getting pursued by a guardian. Pursued by guardian. Exit stage pursued by guardian. Yes. I, and I kind, that kind of was it because like this, the castle, right, is enveloped in that purple stuff. Yes. And so I... Purple, like, purple haze. Yeah, exactly. So the castle inhabited by Lil Wayne, <laughs> surrounded by the perp. And I, I dive into the water, and the thing is just shooting those bullets at me, and I'm climbing up the hill, like, jumping outside of the bullets, and I, like, got onto a ledge, and then I just, like, Revali-scaled up. Yeah, and, and then you I was just on the next there stage, before you knew it. And then I kind of just did it again, and I did it again, and then it was just, oh, wait, there's a castle here, and I just walked in and did it. Did you ever find the shield? No. I assume that it's it's the Hyrule shield is in there? Yeah. Yeah, I've wondered oh, how man, people get so that. there's so much cool stuff. That's so funny. I... I will, the it's most thrilling part of it's, it. It's the one true dungeon in the game, so, I would say. Yeah, and I like, actually... true to the traditional sense of Zelda. Man, I got to go back then because when I did it, I came there straight out of beating the Goron uh, Divine Beast. Yeah. Which you would say is the closest thing that this game has. The Divine Beasts are to traditional Zelda dungeons. Uh, and I left that being kind of like, these Divine Beasts are not great Zelda dungeons. They're okay. They're fun little portal puzzles. But they're not terrific. Like, they're not mind-blowing Zelda dungeon, oh my god, this thing Well, they're, they're not Zelda dungeons at all. They're little physics... Toys. Toys. And I think they're really great physics toys, personally. And they're, like, big and interconnected, which is interesting. Yes. But they're kind of just six or four to six of the uh, shrines... In one area. Exactly. Yes. Which is cool, but it's different. Yeah. Um, and so I, I should go back and go back through the castle and see if I agree with you because I just sort of was there. Yeah. There was no, it didn't have that kind of buildup of even um, in Ocarina of Time. I remember the first time that you get in that tower and you run up the staircase and there's like oh, this spiral yes. staircase and there's that oh, organ yes. that's like and you're running up this spiral thing and you just know that at the top of it you are in for something whereas you were just like double jumping your way i just i just kind of yeah. walked up to a castle and fought a guy which is and it's kind of cool that you can do that because yeah. there are people who you know fly in literally and like all kinds like slabs of rock and weird yeah, build physics a stuff. sky boat sky boats um but yeah, no, I I found my one feeling that the that like pe most people tend to be too overpowered by the time that they tackle Hyrule mm -hmm. Castle itself. That aside, I think the castle is a blast. It's and interesting. Really interesting. So I didn't have any guardian weapons. Like I didn't oh, I didn't have okay. any arrows or anything. So I was really ill equipped to fight the guardians. That makes then yeah, you probably chose the best because yeah, when I would encounter them, you know. If I if I nailed the parry, it's like okay, but it's still multiple parries to kill one of those things. So speaking of parrying, when you fight Ganon in his first form, were you parrying? Were you good at the parry? Uh, yeah, because I just come off of the Goron one where that is the trick. That is the trick. Yeah. And so I kind of. It is the natural fourth enemy, arguably. I would say. I the agree. Well, and especially because you come out of it like. 
what really overpowers you in that game is when you come out of those divine beasts and you get the special abilities. I mean, Rivali's Gale, I just jumped through large parts of that oh, game. Yeah. Like I, the, there's an entire stealth section in that game that I cheesed pretty hard. This is, yeah, this is something that readers, Bob and I have talked about offline and is kind of a point of contention for me with the game in general, because I was up against a wall in that section but I mean, it goes it goes to the point of saying like this game is is fucking fascinating and it's so I keep cursing. Weird. I apologize but it, but to all the children listening. That was really but, it. Is I left it and I I thought that was kind of not as exciting as I wanted it to be. Yeah. But at the same time, I had incredible freedom in the way that I did it, and it sort of speaks to the moment that you're in when you play it, how you approach a situation, because it's sort of like. I was on this plane and I was just like, I'm just going to beat Zelda. And so then I just ran you, at it, you know? Did you board that plane with the intention of beating Zelda? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I just kind of... Okay. So I just sort of ran to it so and you, yeah. I was aggressive about it. And if I uh, had been in a different place and been on my couch, you know, maybe I would have like stocked up on stuff and gone about it a different way. Yeah. But now I will go do that and I'm sure I'll have a great time with it again. So you, you enjoyed Ganon's two forms, both of his, the his second forms. form. I love the second form. I think it looks amazing. It looks really great. But at the same time, it doesn't really do a lot. It's not a battle. No, it is just, it's, it's, it's basically a quick time event. It's well, it's one of the it's an elaborate quick time event. It's a less interesting version of the things that you have to do to get into the divine beasts. Yeah. It's um, a less good yeah. version of that, which is also kind well, of a bummer. Okay, so less. I was never wild about any of those because I wasn't particularly interested in the challenge of those moments. I really liked those. I found them generally not bad, but like less enjoyable to control. So we're referencing before you get into these dungeons, which are these giant creatures that you crawl around inside. They'll be walking out in the environment, and you'll have to shoot off per, certain parts of their body. Uh, with different kinds of specific arrows. This sounds much more gratuitous than it actually is. They're giant mechanized yeah, creatures yeah. and you're, yeah, just... You kind of bring them down so that you can approach them. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's really fun because the sense of scale is crazy and there'll just be this huge thing cool. walking around and then you're like on a horse or flying through the air shooting it. I love Ganon's final form which is like a giant celestial pig or something. I mean, like, it's classic Ganon classic, is a giant yeah. pig man. But it's it's like, it's it's both grotesque and awesome and sort of interesting all at once. Yeah. But I lost my train of thought, essentially. But more or less, I don't remember what I was going to say. But I just, I oh, okay, I remember. You were talking about sense of scale. We I was can, talking, I was talking about sense of scale. So it, insofar as sense of scale is concerned, I feel as though I was especially impressed with that moment for whatever reason more than the others. I can't tell if he's actually bigger than the other beasts or not, but I remember feeling like kind of in awe, like the sense of the sublime. And it brought home to me the fact that like what's most amazing about this Zelda game is that despite the lower computing output of the switch, the fact that the scale of those sequences vastly out, you know, the scale of Uncharted. <laughs> Chloe's hangnails are like a sort of sublime use of graphical fidelity in its own right, but it has nothing on Nintendo's sheer artistic direction 
and like their their sense of scale and their sense of wonder. And Nintendo just has like an incredible sense of wonder. Yes. And there's so the thing we we should probably do a Zelda episode at some point. So we'll back off for now. But yeah. the thing that really struck me, it's funny that you honed in on that. Because I, when I saw that part, I thought, man, this thing is big and that's really impressive. But what really impressed me, and they do it with all of the Ganon forms that are bosses in each of the Divine Beasts, is they do a little like cinema thing where it shows up. And then they kind of show it like close to Link, like leering at him. And the camera's pulled back a little. And then it just drops in and the UI pops up on it and you're just in it. Yeah. And when they do that with the with the first form of Ganon in this game, he is huge. Link is so tiny. And you're in a room. Like you're you in don't an just enormous... get as close to him. Generally, I feel in that in the first form. Uh, I mean, you cut his face to kill him, so you you are Nintendo is very family friendly. <laughs> you literally cut him with your sword, and then at one point, his body just ruptures from all of the cuts. That's true, all the little cuts. So yeah, um, you, <laughs> like Mario murdering people. <laughs> yeah, Link is the ultimate murderer in yeah. the in the Nintendo family. Link cuts shit. Oh, like, he cuts people. Yeah, he really cuts. Yeah. I feel like I've been swearing a lot in this this particular episode where we're going to have to remove the clean lyrics logo I in our iTunes. Zelda, Zelda, of all things, just causes you brought, to swear. This um, has brought out the sailor in me. But it is, anyways, consistently a shocking game. It is so polished. It is amazing. And the most amazing part is that it perversely allows you to skip large parts of itself. They have spent so much time laboring over all of it, and yet I just hopscotched over an enormous part of it yeah. just because of the things that they also put into it. An enormous that chunk work. of the end game. Right, yeah. because those parts work so well that you're able to use them in any situation. True. So it's a, it's a really neat thing, and I can't wait to go back and play more. Yeah, readers, I hope that you guys can all find a Switch at some point and play this game because it is, it is a joy. It really is. It is. Don't play it on the Wii U. I had that version. Oh, no. It runs bad. Don't get it. Just wait until you can get a Switch. Yeah. There are no... At, like, there's no real spoilers for this game because it is just like... the joy. It is a joy to climb a tree in this game just as it is a joy to climb a tree in real life. And just... You'll get to play it eventually. I promise. This is, the this best is, part is it will never be bad. Like, if... For some reason, you are unable to get a Switch for ten years, and you come like you finally come upon one in a decade, and you play this. I have trouble believing that you would walk away from it unhappy. Yeah, uh, which is what pretty a, cool. It is a joy. It's a good thing. Yeah. All right. So speaking of good things, Matt, uh, what did you like this past week? Oh, is this the segment where we talk about our favorite thing that's not game related that we encountered in the past week? It is. All right. Um, so I know that all of you expected me to talk about how amazing Twin Peaks was. I did expect that. And I'll be honest, when I was putting together my notes for this show, I did write down Twin Peaks. How about that? And then I crossed it out because, well, for two reasons. One, because I encountered something else that I was really into this week. Ah. Um, and two, because I would really like to do a little special episode with Bob in which... 
we uh, watched the entirety of Twin Peaks, The Return, as has been airing on Showtime for the past like 16 weeks, all in one go. Yeah, we want to run a gauntlet. Yeah, so we're going to see if we can put that together for you guys at some point. I just need to schedule that with Bob. Um, and I just never see him because he's at weddings all the time. So many weddings. Uh, so in any case, I am not going to talk about Twin Peaks, which I have many thoughts about, but we'll save those for another time. Um, I want to talk about a random album. Yeah, that's my chair that's squeaking. Okay. Yeah, my chair is very squeaky. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk about a, um, an album that I actually can't even, I was, you ever have that experience where you're at work and you're just like, okay, I have to do some busy work. Let me just find some music. So I tend to go on Bandcamp a lot when I do that. And I'll just be like, okay, throw some random music at me, Bandcamp, because I have to do some work. So I don't actually remember how I stumbled across this, but I stumbled across an album by, um, it's an, the album is untitled. It's by an artist called Sister Ray, who, as far as I can tell, is a one-woman act um, and is either from Edmonton, Canada, or this was recorded in Edmonton, Canada. But she put out this one single album um all the sign all the the songs except for like like two tracks it's it's a live recording it's a recording of a live session two of the tracks have names where she's just kind of like talking um and just preparing for the next the the next song that's coming up but otherwise all of the tracks aren't titled except for their titles are just their run lengths Mm. so like for example like one of the songs is titled like five colon 44 for five minutes and 44 seconds great i uh I just kind of blown away by this album. What kind of music is it? I don't. It's it's one woman with a guitar. Um, but it's lyrical. It's it's lyrical. It is. It is. I, I kind of don't even know. I've been like kind of not sure how to describe it. Um, it's very like. So I feel like we use the word raw far too often, you know, culturally to describe media. But this is very raw. It is a woman just like singing through some stuff rough stuff and it's not that like her guitar playing is all that like you know particularly amazing or that her voice is particularly sublime but there is this like stripped down intensity to everything she says and like i was actually like so i'm not sure if i'm hearing the second line right or or this line right or not but there's this line in the second song on the album where she says i was covered with ash and cum and I literally was like, I can't, it's, first of all, it's a, it's a gorgeously delivered line for all of its disturbing connotations. It's a gorgeously delivered line. And I was like, am I hearing this right? And actually Googled the phrase and like found out that there's actually kind of a, this line has been used, like not exactly, but the phrase is, the phrase ash and cum has been used in several other songs, including one by Father John Misty. <laughs> so like, she is not alone in this particular phrasing, but, um, that just like I, that sounds. This is uh, you know taken out of context. That sounds sort of like that um, sounds pretty raw. But it probably also sounds like it is trying too hard, which is not what I feel like this album is at all. It, this feels like a a young woman like sat down in a room in front of a bunch of people and was like, "Hey guys, I'm going to play you five songs, and it's going to be really hard for me to sing you these songs, and it's going to be really tough." And but like here they are, and I got to get through this, and like I hope you can take something from it or whatever. And thank you for listening. And that is like the feeling that I get, frankly, the songs mixed together in my mind, 
which is probably appropriate, like, and probably maybe intended because they don't even have titles. Yeah. So it sort of sounds like one, like, 35-minute album that's all one song or variations on one song and variations on the same theme. And it tends to be about um, feelings of isolation. Um, it's A lot of it's about sex, not surprisingly. And feelings of isolation during and after <laughs> sex. Um, it is just... It, it, and man it is just it is rough a lot of it like there's also like themes of sickness and and like mental health that run throughout the entire thing physical sickness and as well as as uh mental health it is it is uh, is raw and i don't like using the word raw to describe things but i'm gonna say it is raw no that sounds rad so yeah anyway the album is entitled but it's by sister ray a nice little velvet underground reference um you can find it on Bandcamp. just search for sister ray it's it's good also like melodically pretty good <laughs> lyrically really upsetting but very good that sounds awesome i, yeah. I gotta check that out uh you don't sound convinced no i'm i, I gotta check that out. I, I, I do gotta check that out i am really excited um that sounds really good i i don't know that i would ever pick that sort of thing when i was working which i which is uh, what I, I love about i this. stopped working yeah <laughs> okay I listened to the whole thing, staring at my computer, yeah, just, single tears <laughs> trading from one eye to the other, dropping down. I just love the idea of you sitting there firing up Excel. <laughs> and then, that just <laughs> and then, Lyrics about covered in ash and cum. And you're thinking, oh, this formula is not working. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> How how do you do that? I look this up online. Where's the help for Excel? Oh, this crashed. All right. Oh, okay. Like, um, I yeah, I'm excited. Um, but I I'll need to make time to listen to that. Uh, my thing is is much shorter. And I was actually in Philadelphia. Uh, I was at a wedding, as was previously mentioned. And I was in Philadelphia. And while we were in Philadelphia, my fiance and I. Uh, realized that she's been upgraded again. Yes, she's back, baby. Uh, we realized that we don't really know what the Liberty Bell is. <laughs> like, we know it's the bell that has the crack in it, but why? Like, what purpose did the Liberty Bell serve? Do you know, Matt? I think it's the bell that Paul Revere was running the entire time. That is time. exactly <laughs> right. This morning, he's ringing the Liberty Bell, and then it's also oh, the everybody. bell. That they rang when Rocky fought. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's used in uh, Bruce Springsteen's songs, The Streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, that makes sense. It's that bell. Yeah. Uh, the sounds made when that young man dances on a piano in the movie Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, there, that's that's sure, actually yeah. that bell. That makes so much more sense. I know. Okay, so we went to Philadelphia. Yeah, I should admit, I actually, I don't remember what the Liberty Bell is. Right. And it wasn't until you said that, when you said, like, we didn't know what it, I was like, it's a fucking bell, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was? And then I was like, but how did it get cracked? Right. It was on an episode of This Holy Sunny in Philadelphia, I assume. Someone cracked it accidentally. But that actually... Sounds like an episode. That sounds a lot like an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I actually have an idea for a spec script on that show where <laughs> Charlie finds a Roomba in a dumpster. You should ask me about that sometime. But anyway, um, so we went, we were confused about what the Liberty Bell is, and we went to the Little Liberty Bell Museum, which is, of course, free because it is a national park. Um, 
And it's a good museum. And it actually contextualizes the Liberty Bell and explains that the Liberty Bell um, is, you know, it casts the Liberty Bell. Wordplay. Uh, <laughs> as a... Uh, Symbol of freedom for oppressed groups and minorities just kind of throughout American history rather than a symbol of uh, the reigning groups that are in power in America at any given time. So like the suffrage movement and the civil rights movement vary into the Liberty Bell, which is cool. Uh, they also have a lot of pictures of like Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King standing next to the Liberty Bell. And I think some of them are touching it in these pictures. You're not allowed to touch it. I mean, frankly, if you're Nelson Mandela, you can touch so, the goddamn Liberty Bell this, if you want. This is, Same with Martin Luther King. This is my Jr. question. Because, so, then there's a picture of Obama next to the Liberty Bell. And I go, did Obama touch the Liberty Bell, though? Like, because if I was the president, and I know that I gave Mike Pence a lot of shit when he touched that thing and said he wasn't supposed to touch it. That was a NASA instrument. <laughs> yeah. This is a bell that's already broken. Yeah. Like, honestly, with that in mind, I feel like the Liberty Bell is something that we should all be able to touch. No, I disagree. Why? Because this is not a truly democratic society. Well, but I don't want to have to be president to touch this bell. Too bad. It's already broken. What can I do to it? I don't know. Maybe, like, end up apartheid in Africa, South Africa, and then you can touch it. Yeah, and he probably was too classy to touch it. He would have been. That's the problem. He was a great guy. Yeah. Anyways... I didn't do anything. I didn't get to touch the bell, but it's a good museum, and it really does a nice job of contextualizing this object that you have heard about and seen pictures of, but have no idea why. Uh, so which, wait, what, what was it? Why? How did it get cracked? Uh, we rang it. There's this. Are you kidding? That was it? <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe the British shot it or no, something. No, no. That's it. <laughs> yeah. There's a really good like line that basically says it could it could be just translated down to as like a paragraph that really just says like we were bad at making bells. <laughs> uh, like like basically it's just all bells were really poorly made out of a mixture of metals at the time. We rang it, it cracked. We had some guys fix it. They did a very bad job. It cracked again. Then some other guys thought they could fix it by widening the crack. We signed off on that. Turns out that didn't work. Uh, and now we it's cracked. Our B. Signed yeah. the Founding Fathers. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, history. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, guys. Go to Philadelphia. Go to Philadelphia. And while you're there, please rate our podcast on iTunes. Uh, we would love to hear what you think of it. Hopefully good. But if it's bad and you want to tell us, you can also tell us that. Yeah, um, like honestly, any feedback, write into the podcast at podcast at zero stars dot co. It's C-O. no not dot co. Yes. Um, it's no exaggeration to say that if you guys say if you write in and say like, hey, what do you guys think of this video game? We will probably play that video game for yeah. 10 hours or so. Yeah. And tell you because we like you. We really like you, and we hope that you really like us. And if you don't, and you think we can get better, let us know in the iTunes ratings. And I guess that yeah. that will help us uh, become internet famous. <laughs> we just like doing this; it's fun. But we also think it's fun when you guys write in. Yeah, we're also desperate for approval. And quick note on the person who wrote in about The Sims Four: We are going to get to The Sims. We're working. We're on not. Some we stuff. might not get to The Sims Four, but we're going to get to The Sims. At some point, we will talk about The Sims. We will. It's it's taken a little bit of time for us to get ready for that. Anyway, this has been the Zero Stars Podcast, uh, and I hope that you had a great time. We'll catch you next week. Bye, everybody.